Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. Hello. This is David. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to go ahead and start up, I guess, a formalize this this whole uh, podcast, uh, you know, YouTube, you know, thing by having a, an episode zero. So this is episode zero. I do not have the name of the podcast, okay? I just, I'm not going to sit here and rack my brains and, and try to think about it. I just need to just get started. So it's episode zero of whatever podcast this is, which might be the name of it. This is whatever podcast this is, episode zero. My name is David Bennett, and I'm in a car. I'm in my uh, wife's Honda Accord, um, driving from Lubbock back to my home in the Texas Panhandle because I'm having to commute, uh, you know, over an hour each way uh, to go to a job that will no longer be my job in at the end of September. So this is one of the things that I'm starting up as a part of that, you know, what ends up being that the universe closed the door on me. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm voluntarily quitting this job because my wife has been able to take a job at a university in the, in the panhandle. And that's what she's always wanted to do. And that's what we've been fighting for. And now that it's come up, I got to figure out something else to do. So this is one of the things that I'm, this is one of those other things to do. <coughs> So, you know, how to introduce this thing? What is whatever this podcast is going to be? Um, I want it to actually center on multiple, you know, multiple things. Not just one thing, but multiple things, but not too many. So, I've decided on four. And one of the things that I really, you know, got into years ago was permaculture, and it has caused a massive paradigm shift in the way that I think about not just planting plants and and trees and and land and, you know, hydrology and how water works, you know, and flows, you know, around the land, but uh, it's changed me as a person in the way that I look at problems and and, and all, all manner of stuff. So that's one of the subjects that I want to talk about. And if you've listened to any of the other things that I've done, and I've only done a a couple because, you know, I'm just cranking this thing up, then what you've heard about is me go on, ramble on and on about pioneer species and what they do to dirt. Uh, And I I know I shouldn't actually use the term dirt, but in all instances, it really should be called soil, you know, just to, to be fair, but... Some of the things that I've seen, that just, they don't constitute being able to be called soil. It's dirt, right? Okay, so that's that's why sometimes you'll 
you'll catch me calling it dirt. You know, and so I was talking about how these plants work, why they, you know, why they're there. How do how do we not look at them as weeds and immediately go try to eradicate them and, and you know, post toasty them out of existence the minute that you see them and you know what benefits that they are because they're not your enemies, they're your tools. They're 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 your storytellers. They're you know, and, and I've, I've like I said, I've, I've been through this, but this you know this that whole thing with amaranth is a, is an example of one of the things that I want to be able to touch on. You know, I want to um, you know one point or another, I'm going to be doing a lot of repair you know repair work on the outside um, of the grounds of my house. You know, the new house that we just moved into. You know, like a month ago. Um, it's soil everywhere is is not in good condition, um, and there are several things that need to be done to mitigate uh, sunlight hitting places that I don't I don't want to fry in the sun. I don't want the west side of my house baking in the sun. What can we do? I'm going to be doing all of that, and I'm going to be coming at it from a direction of permaculture and using plants as tools and what they're going to do for me beyond, you know, shading a particular thing, you know? So that's that's one aspect of what I want to get into. It, <coughs> the other thing that I really want to get into is I want to talk about Bitcoin, which is as far as you can get from the first subject that I just talked about, right? Permaculture, planting, uh, using design science, to uh, retain water and, and build soil and, you know, all these types of things. And so the very next thing that I want to talk about is going to be Bitcoin. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm in the rabbit hole. I've been in the rabbit hole since 20, middle, yeah, the middle of 2015. You know, like my first Bitcoin purchase was at $250. You know, but like I spent $250 and I got 0.999% of a Bitcoin because of, you know, Coinbase fees. And, you know, because they always they always overcharge. It's just, it's just the way Brian Armstrong is, I suppose. In either event, since I've been in the rabbit hole for so long... Uh, you can't help but to not learn some stuff about it, and it is fascinating. And so with, with those two subjects, permaculture and Bitcoin, one of the things that I really want to be able to do is how, at in any given show that I produce, you know, it may not be that I touch on all four subjects that, I'm, that I want to touch on. At the, like, I, I don't want to have it be where... We'll talk about this for 10 minutes. We'll talk about something else completely different for 10 minutes. No, 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 no. I don't want it to be that way. Uh, I don't know how it's going to really work out, and it may not work out at all. Um, and I'm completely prepared for that. But you got to start somewhere as with what, you know, you got to write a list out of, of what you want. And this is my list of what I want this thing to be. So as, as I'm looking at these disparate subjects, I may bring in... You know, a show that has, you know, maybe two of the subjects. I don't really want to do shows with three and certainly not four. But if I'm going to do these subjects and like more than one of them in a show, the question becomes, how do I fit them together? Is there a way to fit them together? Is there a way one of the subjects that I'm talking about can inform 
or elucidate part of the other subject that I talk about. And that's going to be a real trick because uh, some of the other two subjects that I haven't mentioned yet are, are <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to be weird. And like I said, I'm, com- I'm completely prepared for a total fail, epic fail. As long as I fail as fast as I possibly can, then I'm golden. Most people don't get that. You, you, if you do something, if you're going to fail at it, you want that failure to happen as fast as possible. You don't want to be like, you know, two years into something and have it fail then. You want it failing as quick as possible so that you can pick yourself back up and get back on with your life. So it may fail. I'm completely prepared for it. So we'll be talking about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, but be warned. I'm, I'm a shitcoin minimalist. Okay, I'm not quite in the maximalist camp because I can't be. Ethically, I cannot be because I hold a bag of Litecoin. I hold a bag of Doge. I hold a bag of Ethereum Classic. And I sold all my, my Ether. And I sold all of my Bitcoin cash because that will be... Those will be subjects, you know, for, for other shows as to why I sold that, that stuff. But, you know, most like mostly what I really like is Bitcoin. I don't have that much of a problem with Litecoin. Um, yeah, I don't think it's as valuable as Bitcoin, but I don't think it's utter trash either. Um, and I'll get flack for that, but whatever. I'm, you know, this, the, the space of Bitcoin is replete with getting flack. You can't do nothing in this space without flat cannons literally just trying to blow you out of the sky every second. And if you're if you're not in the space and you want to get into the space and you are like the fir- your first reaction is like, my God, everybody here is mean. No, they ain't mean. It's the it's the space's immune system. It's one of the hardest immune systems I've ever run across. And I have a background in biology. I have a I have a Bachelor of Science in Cell and Molecular Biology. I know more about the immune system than the law should allow. And I got to tell you, this is not people being mean. This is a community immune system. So be prepared if you're going to go into that. And be prepared for some of the stuff that we talk about when we talk about Bitcoin. So third subject is going to be education, but not so much. And the reason that I'm picking education is because one of the other things that I got to do to make ends meet when once my paycheck starts coming in or stops coming in, I've, I have got to uh, make ends meet by being a substitute teacher for the time being. So I will be at a rural because we live in a very, we move from Lubbock to a very small town. And I got to tell you guys, I love it. I love it. I love it. I don't care that I don't have a Starbucks. In fact, I'm really, really freaking happy I don't have a Starbucks to like stare me in the face all the time. But be that as it may, I'm in a really, really rural area. But the school system, the independent school system here is huge. Why? Because it services so many hundreds of square miles that it's not a rural community that's not even funny. It is, I mean, I think the number that I heard was over 250 square miles of area is serviced by the ISD that I'm going to be substitute teaching for. And that covers a lot. There's a lot of farmers. There's a lot of ranching going on up here. Um, and the, all their kids need to go to school so they get bussed into this particular ISD. This ISD 
for a town of, you know, of, you know, a, a few fistfuls of thousands of people has 16 campuses, 16, two high schools, for God's sakes. It's a little bitty town, and I'm, I'm still in awe of this, but it's an effect of what happens when you require education on a population that is not centralized. Now, that may be easy to talk about Bitcoin. Decentralization, centralization is an idea that is in Bitcoin, and I see, I see its analog in the school system. So I want to be able to talk about what it is that I see on a daily basis. And if it's, if it, if it's going to be really boring, I, I won't bring it to you. But I have a sneaky suspicion that I'm going to learn a whole lot about the public school system in rural Panhandle, Texas, that I'll bet is interesting. I'll bet, it, I'll bet it's a lot more interesting than I think. Pay shit, don't care. You know, I'm, I'm going to learn something new. You know, it, at one point or another, we're all going to die. We're all going to be worm food. You know, frankly, we should. I'm excited about learning something new. I've been doing the same job for nine years, which brings me to the last topic, the, the last kind of topic uh, that I want to talk about on this particular show. And that is the world. Not, it's it's going to be hard to describe it. I'm going to say the world of video gaming. But if you think that that means me sitting in a chair playing the latest uh, MMO or the latest first-person shooter, forget it, dude. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the whole the whole ecology of of what goes into video games. So we'll you know maybe I'll talk about video cards. And again, okay, well hold on, never, never mind. Hold that thought. Maybe video cards, computer hardware, but what I'm really more interested in, because I've been doing it for the last nine years, is things that relate to um, scientific visualization using things like game engines. Uh, like, let, let's say, uh, what, what do I mean by game engine? Uh, the Unity game engine. Lots of games are produced on the Unity platform. So the you know the engine itself is a piece of you know software code that enables you to go in and put together a video game and allow you in a, a programming environment, uh, an environment to put artwork in, uh, an environment to model in, an environment to animate things in, and have a product that's playable on the other side that you can just email you know email somebody if it's not too big. And that's the neat thing about the Unity platform is you can do that. Other game engines, Unreal. Unreal is responsible for most AAA games as a platform than I think any other uh, uh, game engine out there. It's been around for years, rock solid, that type of thing. The other one would be the CryEngine from um, the when the CryEngine first came out, its game, demo game was Crisis. And their selling point, their marketing point was literally this. You don't have enough money to build a computer big enough to run this game. You can't do it. And it was like, I was like, wow, that's an amazing marketing tool. Basically taking a giant dump on your potential customers. And it worked. Oh, my God, it worked. People raced. 
they, they emptied like checking accounts to go get the very best video card to go load up their computer with 32 megs of RAM and as many processors as they could put on it. But really, it was all about the video card. And yep, it, it worked. And now, Christ, the CryEngine, totally rock solid. But also, I want to talk about like things that go in uh, behind the scenes, like you know, 3D modeling, you know, some 3D animation stuff. And I, but I don't really want to talk about it from the ter- in, in terms of oh, this is how they built uh, Halo, or oh my God, this is how they built. Um, you know the, the the last you know black ops. I don't care because, frankly, and this is this will catch me flack. While I love video games, I understand that what they what they really are is just a huge life waster. Believe me, I know. I played Call of Duty, the original Call of Duty. When Call of Duty first came out, and it was World War II based. It was the very first one. I could play that thing for eight hours straight. And I got so good at it that one day, like while I was uh, I was engaged in like I don't know, it was like twenty on. There was like twenty people for like a last you know last man standing thing, um, on on, the, on their their version of Battle.net or whatever it was, where you're playing with other players real time and you're just basically killing each other all the time. Um, I got so good at it that I was. Um, I was accused of having running an aimbot, which, if anybody doesn't know what an aimbot is, it's it's a piece of program that you hang off of your that you hang while you're uh, you have running while you're running a particular game, and it kind of you know in this particular case it it, it helps you aim insofar that you just got to get close with your mouse to be able to point in the general direction. And all of a sudden, this thing will make it kind of hit the player that you that you didn't really, you really wouldn't have hit that player had you been playing raw. But since you got the aimbot going, it'll kind of redirect where that projectile's going and, and hit the player. So I got, I got accused one night um, of ha- of running one, and I was like, oh my god, I've arrived. And I was really happy about it. I was really it was funny because I was happy about being accused of cheating. You know, generally speaking, if somebody accuses you of being a cheater, that's that's not a good way to start a, uh, a conversation that's going to be civil. But for me, I was like, hell yes! I was like, with freaking respect. So, um, but in the end, I mean, they're fun, right? But they're life wasters. They're, they just, they are. They, they offer, like, like for instance, like, uh, you know, Call of Duty. Let's take it back to Call of Duty. Any one of the series. You know, if I, if, you know, if I'm trying to be, if I'm trying to learn how to watch my corners and pick a good sniper's nest, that's not bad training. I don't know. I've never been in the military, but I, I, I'll bet you that it's not completely worthless to go into the military and somebody says, check your, you know, somebody, when you're getting trained in basic and they say something like, check your corners. You know, or 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 displace, um, and you've been playing these kinds of things for so long, and that lingo is in there. You know, it you know it, it maybe you know, maybe helpful, but I'm not planning on doing any urban warfare. It's ridiculous. You know, I don't need to check my corners. I I, I don't need to figure out a place to put a sniper's nest. I, I'm not I'm not interested, right? So where where am I going with this particular topic? And back to education. 
So this would be a way that I'd be able to link education with stuff that goes on in video games. Because while video games are not going to replace the classroom, uh, they can certainly help. They can certainly they can certainly act as a tool for uh, for study later on. I don't think, and I'm so I'm not an advocate of having 20 kids in a classroom playing a video game in the classroom, unless you're teaching them how to play it. No, no, no. This what I'm thinking of is situations where video games are developed that reinforce like a concept, and I ain't talking about multiplication tables. I mean that thing's been those have been done to death in video games, and they all suck. All right, I mean I've. Dude, I, I had an Atari 400. Was my very first computer was an Atari 400. And two of the things that, that, that I got with it, or that I was required to get with it, because my dad was like, I'll get you this, but you gotta you got to play these, was math, like math uh, educational games. Oh, my God. I mean, beginning at the very front end of video games, everybody knew that this would be good for education, and nobody's been able to pull it off. Not really. I mean, if y'all have some some examples, you know, get them to me. We're going to be talking about stuff like this. Um, but so my bit for video games is how can they be useful? How can we play a simulation that will teach us something that will you know give something back to us? But along that time, you know, along that way, I want to be able to talk about like three D animation packages like Houdini from Side Effects, which is my favorite. That's why I mention it. Um, there's Autodesk stuff too. I, I haven't used them in years, so I'll you know if I'm going to be talking about how to build a model or anything like that, or you know um, how to export something, or if even if we we hit stuff like that, it's going to be from the it's going to be for Houdini from Side Effects, which you can download for free um, from the Side Effects uh, website, but it doesn't allow you full frame rendering to like 1080 or 4K. Which the you know if you bought the package it would it doesn't allow stuff like certain exports of of uh, oh uh, file types but other than that it's fully functional as long as you're not trying to you know use it to make a spy, next Spider-Man film you know by rendering frames of you know or or you're not you know needing the FBX exporter to you know export huge environmental scenes over to video games oh you're golden you know so that's one of the reasons why i also picked this package is that anybody anybody can get into this thing so those are the four but i mentioned something while i was saying while i was going through that list about the four about dirt and that brought me into somehow or another i got into talking about the fact that we're oh no it wasn't dirt it was uh, the education system and the fact that we live where we live now is a huge mishmash of decentralized rural communities that are responsible for everything from cotton farming to sunflower farming to peanut farming uh, there's corn uh, I don't think corn has any business being grown out here because of how much water it uses but um, you know there it is but also ranching. Now, that is going to fit with permaculture. But since in the Bitcoin world, if you don't know, there is a huge movement of carnivory and people that eat a lot of beef, specifically, you know, like like beef and lamb and red meat. I mean, we're not... 
I mean, I don't do it myself. I love steak. I love meat. These guys are hardcore. The car, the car, Bitcoin carnivores? No, no, no. These guys actually eat nothing but meat. They don't drink beer either, which sucks. I would hate to go to, to dinner with these guys. I mean, I, I want to go to dinner with these guys, but they're not going to drink a beer. The steak is going to be awesome, but I'm like, well, crap. You know, I, I need some red wine or, or you know, beer with my steak. Anyway, so I'll be able there. I'm, I'm examining these connections and, and trying to figure out a way to plug these things into each other. But do it this in a meaningful way and not just, oh, yeah, that's great, Dave. Somehow or another, you were able to talk, you know, talk about ranching and Bitcoin. And the only way you got to plug it in together was the fact that Bitcoiners eat meat. No, no, no. It needs to be better than that. That's what I'm going to be fighting for. Stuff like that. But on that note, uh, one of the things that I really want to do is I want to start interviewing people like most podcasts do, but I want to I want to interview the the ranchers out here, the guys that produce beef, because most of the people that are producing beef up up this way, like for instance, I mean you know Amarillo is the closest big city to where I'm at. Yes, there are feed lots, but to tell you the truth, I don't see them. I see tons of live beef on hoof in the fields in pasture grazing the way they were meant to the, the way that, that that bovine was supposed to do is the way it's being done up here I want to talk to these people and I want to talk to them about their operations what is it like what's the life like I want to talk to them about you know how do you not get killed by standing next to an animal that weighs you times like 20x right? You know, these types of things. But I'm also thinking, I want to ask them, you know, like, I want to ask them about, do they know anything about, you know, cover crops, which is used heavily in in permaculture, and are they using them? And if not, would they consider using them? And if they did, under what circumstances and all, you know, those kind of questions. But But at the very end of these interviews, if I do them, if I get a chance to do them, I want to ask them about Bitcoin. Do they do have you heard of Bitcoin? Do you know if you have, do you know what it is? How it works? Do you think it's a threat? Do you think it's only used by drug dealers? Do you think it's only used by uh, terrorists? You know, because that's the narrative that's being pushed. Oh, Bitcoin is eh, it's only being used by terrorists and child pornographers and blah blah blah. No, it's not. There's a lot of people I know that use Bitcoin, including me. We don't do any of that. I don't. I, I have zero interest in, in terrorism. I have zero interest in it's black market crap, dude. I don't need any of that shit. And hard, you know, there's not a whole lot of people who actually do. And quite frankly, to say that Bitcoin is only used by drug dealers, prostitutes, you know, and and all this kind of stuff leads me to to a couple of conclusions. One. Well, hell, if I can use it to buy vice, shit must be real money. Because guess what? A drug dealer is going to be your very first person to tell you whether or not what you got in your hand to trade them for their product is actually money. That's the guy you listen to. He's the one that actually knows. 
Uh, dead serious. Prostitutes, same way. They they recognize real hard currency better than any banker ever will. Sorry, that's just the way it is. So they've been doing this crap for so long, right? So so there's that. I mean, oh, I must have I must be holding on to real money if drug dealers and terrorists and and all of those people take it. Because if it wasn't real money, they wouldn't take it. Okay, and the second thing is, what do you think anybody was using before Bitcoin? Bitcoin was born in January 2009. The white paper was written a few months or published a few months before in 2008. It's been with us for almost 10 years. So 11 years ago, were drug dealers using Bitcoin? No, they were not using freaking Bitcoin. They were using the United States dollar. Does that mean that we should go buy all, go stack up all the bricks of fiat money in the world that's ever been used for drugs and prostitution, child trafficking, sex trafficking, whatever, and light it on fire? No, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So we're going to, you know, I want to get into stuff like that too, because that's fascinating that people could be that close-minded on something that's only 10 years old. It's, it's, it's amazing. It is, I'm hopeful that it will generate, you know, minutes upon minutes of, of good content. So again, just to recap that last one, that, you know, the ranchers that I want to talk to about their beef operations and how this works, that's probably going to be part of the, uh, the permaculture stuff. Um, cause I don't think anybody's interviewing them out here. You know, you get the farm report, but, you know, the only way that I can go listen to, like, an actual rancher is to go listen to somebody like Darby Simpson, uh, who's always interviewed by Diego Footer on uh, uh, Permaculture Voices podcast. If it's still named that, it may be named something different. But uh, but he's a modern he's a, he's a modern rancher. Now, I want to talk to these old guys, man. I want to, I want to know what the, you know how how they thought about it. Okay, so it also wanted to talk about um, how to stitch this all this stuff together through uh, uh, social, you know, modern social media. I have an Instagram. I have a Twitter. I have Facebook. I have SoundCloud. I have this. I have that. And oh my God, it's just I mean, oh, and a Steam it page, and my own WordPress, and blah blah blah. And it's like, and if I'm if I were to start thinking about, you know, doing a separate thing for each one of these, you know, that, no, <laughs> that's just, I don't know that I guess other people do it and that's fine. But I, you know, I don't have that much time in a day. So what I'm going to try to do is figure out a way to make all these things work together where all of them support the latest podcast the you know the latest uh, YouTube video that I put up because I, I kind of want to do both it's just not the podcast I want to do videos that actually show like property walk you know around my house and show where things are and you know well I'll, I'll, believe me I will point at stuff for you like like that idiot from North Korea I will just I'll point at everything that I can point to and it will all be instantly solved just like that guy but so there's videos and then there's the podcast, the audio long form podcast. How do I promote all this stuff using the, these various platforms 
And, and, and I guess I really shouldn't be all, you know, kind of too much worried about what's called cross-posting. But for some reason, people get really, really butthurt about it. And I think it's, I think it's more about the context in which cross-posting is done. So what I, what I mean by all this is, like, if I publish to SoundCloud this thing that I'm doing right now, I want to be able to promote it on uh, uh, Twitter and Instagram. So, I mean, but like, I'd like to get it to where I could just, you know, publish it to SoundCloud, grab, <clears throat> grab the link or the embed, depending, throw it into another social media, and have that have that actually thrown into yet. Wait a minute, how? It's confu- it's confusing even me. So. I'm not going to be able to come up with a plan. It's going to this this it, because it is so confusing as I just illustrated. Um, I got to come up with a. I, I think a plan will organically develop as to how things are, are are done. But be aware that the plan is to use every single possible credible you know social media platform that I can get to push the same damn thing that day. But I want to make it. I want to make it as easy on myself as possible. Like I guess, a, I guess if I were to think of a dream world, it would be a, a continuous list of, you know, or a whole bunch of if then this, if if this then that, or ifttt. If you haven't checked out ifttt, Google it. There's it, it can do some pretty cool stuff. It's a little dicey, but it would be fun to have it all set up to where I just push. Either the video on YouTube or the audio podcast on uh, SoundCloud or whatever it is that I settle into and have it propagate in an automated fashion to Twitter, to Instagram, to Facebook, to whatever else I can connect up to it. Anything that's got a, a, you know, a, a, a following. So if anybody of you guys know how to do that without me reinventing the wheel or can just point me to a couple of places where I can learn, because I know that what I'm suggesting is not stupid. It's a time saver. I know other people are like going, oh my God, if I, if I have to do this, like publish this, this same thing 15 different times, yet one more time, I'm going to scream. I know those people exist, and so I know I'm not alone. So if anybody's got that, like, I'm not even looking for an answer. A nudge in a proper direction might be good, like a point to an article or or two, something. You know, I'm not scared to learn stuff by myself, clearly. You know, I've I've learned everything that I've ever wanted to learn. So if you guys could do that, I, I would appreciate it. But I did, uh, again, I did want you to be aware that I'm trying to figure out a way not only to connect all the topics together in, in ways that are meaningful, I want to be able to figure out a way to connect all the social engines together also in a meaningful way. Um, so, so to recap, the topics that I want to talk about is gardening, permaculture, farming and ranching, beef, Bitcoin, uh, video games and education, and and all things like that, okay? So it should be interesting. Again, prepared. I'm so prepared for epic failure. It's just, 
I, it's just not, I mean, not even entering my mind that I'm going to be butthurt by epic failure. And I'm going to fail as fast as I can, and then I'm going to fail right after that as fast as I can. And at one point or another, I may stop failing and actually get the hang of this crap. In either event, I will sign off. This has been episode zero of whatever this podcast name is, and I will talk to you all later. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.